Hey everyone, on this next episode, I dive deeper into Larry's Venture Studio 88, and I ask some rather interesting questions about how a startup is founded and what he plans to do with it. If you're interested in startup studios, investing, and venture capital in general, I think this would be a great episode for you to tune into. All right, let's get started. So when you decided to start this, what what created this? Um, and by that, I specifically mean, was there a moment where you kind of sat down with a pen and paper and you said, okay, I want to build a startup studio? Or was it kind of like, I'm working on 10 different projects. I wonder if I can just rope them into what I would call a startup studio and then hire for that. Um, I would say that it's a little bit of both. So I think... If I wasn't doing the startup studio, what I would have done was raise try to try to raise like a a small micro fund with uh, for friends and, and colleagues. Um, but instead of that, because of my expertise and what I have a lot of exposure to, which is a lot of the technology side of things, it, for me and uh, my CTO, which is my partner now, um, we it it kind of came as a no. I wouldn't say it was a no-brainer. It took us really uh, a year, over a year to figure out this whole process or technology stack, how we're going to deploy uh, new products. It's it actually, it didn't happen overnight. It actually has been something that has been uh, changed and iterated uh, and developed over, uh, over a period of time. So we're, what we're doing now and even the structure of our LP and everything, it's, it, it's it's kind of been this evolution so i guess it's kind of actually hard to kind of answer that because it's just changed so much but i i would say the catalyst was that uh the interest to develop and work but with different startups. how do you know it's going to work like is there like a checklist that you said okay first i'm going to get investors and funders to back me up once that's done it's like okay it's more of a reality and then it's like now i'm going to get a client okay great got a client more of a reality again hire CTO, et cetera. Like, what is that checklist like to, to know that this is actually going to work? Or is there no checklist? Is there just kind of you in your head saying, I know it's going to work. I just have to prove it. Um, I would say uh, when we first started this, there was no checklist. And at the beginning, this was uh, primarily self-funded. And we just knew that at the very at worst case scenario, if we were to build this whole infrastructure and uh, this way for us to develop and deploy uh, products much more quickly. At the very least, we would be able to turn this into a service-based business. So that, I guess there was no really, there was no checklist back then. Um, what the checklist, how, like, I guess, like, when we created more validation was that um, when I was talking to a lot of different companies that, uh, uh, that was approaching me for uh, investment as an angel, I would kind of talk to them and say, Hey, like if there was this service, would this be something that would appeal to you? <clears throat> and a lot of them would actually say yes. Uh, I would love to be able to uh, have like essentially like a proper CTO, opposed to me trying to find like a friend or uh, a student at uh, university that had a comp sci major. So from the, I guess then from an early uh, early uh, early stage, 
working with a lot of these different startups and, and talking to a lot of different startups, this was something that they wanted. Um, I would say about six months ago, a lot of the investors, not necessarily investors that I'm, I was trying to uh, partner up with, I was just trying to get their validation. A lot of them actually were concerned and, and didn't really understand or see if uh, or believe that a, a startup would want to give up equity to get services. But I think throughout this whole process, especially the, uh, since over the last eight months, we've seen a, like our model, uh, we, we finally see like our model working where we have all this abundance of interest and we just raised uh, a small micro, uh, like a pilot fund for an accelerator that we're running. So we're essentially uh, deploying $400,000 of services and that, uh, that LP, uh, pilot LP, uh, was uh, we raised that money like in a week. So uh, our essentially our whole intention is to prove that this uh, four month program will work, and we're gonna build like we have a thesis and we have these companies that we've already started investing into and, and uh, started their implementation. And once we can prove this, then that will give us further traction to raise two to three million dollars, which I already have interest for, but it's kind of contingent on this this cohort working. In this whole process, what is something that you find exhausting, or is none of it exhausting? Uh, to be completely honest, I don't find any of this exhausting. Like this is honestly so much fun, and um, from the there are a lot of different, uh, a lot of moving pieces, but at the same time, I, I truly believe that if it's if it's worth having, it's not supposed to be easy. And I think what we're trying to build is is so unique, and the, the opportunities. Uh, are just like we I can't even for our team um, we can't really imagine like what how many opportunities are there there will be so for us like not just myself but our our, our whole team from our, our new developers to our original like senior developers like everyone sees the vision and it's it's super exciting to kind of work to work in that environment and have everyone be motivated and working towards the and same this, goal. this team that came together was this team that was kind of already in place? Like, did you know some of the people that you were working with for a while? I uh, so yeah, I would say so. So one, uh, the, um, my partner with eighty eight, uh, he's our uh, he's our CTO. He actually recruited some of his uh, top developer friends, and they essentially started with us as uh, contractors, like a year, over a year ago, helping us develop some of our infrastructure, some of our different modules that, uh, that we've created. Um, we started investing into our first uh, investment, which is called Wing Deals, which is a chicken wing tech startup. Essentially what it does is it'll tell you all the best prices on a daily basis for restaurants across North America. And it has uh, like over 80,000 users. And it's that was our first product just to prove that we can develop and, and build uh, really high quality software products. So from that, like uh, uh, most of those developers are still with us today. And then uh, throughout that whole period, we've been hiring uh, uh, different graduates from the university as well as um, different, uh, uh, different employees from another business, business of mine that are, were students and now graduates. And that's how I was able to build a relationship, sell them on the vision, opposed to trying to uh, sell this idea to a new graduate about what we're trying to do and this global, do global domination thing that we're trying gotcha. to accomplish. 
And when you're talking to investors and VCs to try to obtain some funding, I'm guessing a lot of the funding is going to be used for the operational costs, right? It's not as similar to like a, a 2% or a 2 and 20% like private equity, or, or is it? Uh, so our model at this point uh, with the pilot program, um, it's not quite the uh, typical carried interest model that you spoke of. Um, our, essentially what we're doing is um, with the, the pilot investors, we set up a, an LP as a special purpose vehicle and uh, 88 uh, has another like management um, uh, corporation, which is the general partner. And essentially the GP takes uh, shares and units. So it's essentially treated as an investor and we don't charge a management fee. Uh, it's not based on performance. We're essentially an equal uh an equal partner in this in this LP. Um, when we do raise a VC fund, we may we may actually take on more of a carrying interest model. Um, but at the point at this point, this is this is how our and, model and works. Thinking through that model because it's it's relatively innovative compared to what the industry has seen, right? Because what you're providing is is different than what the industry has seen. Therefore, you have to create a different way to to license around the value. How did you come up with that, or did you have like a mm-hmm. a case study or another company that you kind of emulated? Uh, that's a really good question. I I wish I I wish I could have had something that we could have resembled, um, but it was really honestly talking to our lawyer and our accountant about uh, VC models and um, me reading a lot of on different VC books like. Uh, just learning everything I possibly could about uh, venture capital because this isn't something that I had, had prior experience in. Um, so our model kind of evolved over over time. It actually started with a, another uh, investment opportunity with another group of, uh, of entrepreneurs where we were going to invest capital and, and resources and, and relationships for a whole bunch of different retail products. And that model was actually adopted into what we're doing through. So you're working with a lot of different companies or you're seeing a lot of companies. You said you have 24 companies that have, I guess, applied to, to help you with this. Can you talk about the, the general mm-hmm. trend of companies that you're seeing? Are you seeing like a lot of blockchain companies, a lot of AI related companies? Is there a particular industry that's being targeted? Um, I would say for us moving forward, we're going to try to target um, companies that uh, adopt blockchain or have an element of machine learning. I would say, um, based on the companies that have been referred or introduced to us, a lot of them are on the consumer side, and uh, a lot of them are multi-sided platforms. For example, one of our first investments is a company called Maestro. Essentially, it's a matchmaking uh, platform between music teachers and parents and students. Uh, It's a company that's already validated and it already has existing clients. Um, So we're trying to take that to a whole different level and add a level of uh, machine learning so that we can make the matchmaking experience much better. Um, I would say that a lot of the companies that we're still seeing are marketplaces between um, uh, demand uh, for one audience and then the supply. Um, I would say we've been approached by also a lot more scientific research, uh, uh, like uh, companies with some sci- level of scientific research. So. They could be uh, uh, PhDs, medical doctors. Uh, those are a few of the companies that we've been uh, we've been approached by. 
Um, but at this mo- at this point, there hasn't been uh, a specific uh, industry that we've been approached by, but we do intend on um, uh, investing more into the companies I mentioned that have a, have blockchain or an element and of machine learning. And why those learning. two things as opposed to VR or AR? Um, I think VR and AR, I think the the expertise and the resources required to invest into those companies are very different. Whereas machine learning, uh, blockchain, I would say that those are more on the uh, computer science uh, development. And that's really our bank strength, uh, especially based on the, the team that we have. So we, uh, some of our senior developers are, they have, one of them is finishing a PhD in biotechnology. The other is uh, completing his master's in, in algorithm design. So I think based on uh, blockchain and machine learning, I think that's way more suitable for our expertise versus uh, VR and AR, which uh, has a lot of hardware components uh, and just they're just very different worlds. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And so you talked about how you would potentially design like a machine learning um, code, if you will, for this, this company that you're helping out. Would the IP behind that code be owned mm-hmm. by your company or by their company? Uh, it would be owned by our our company. Um, I guess that's a that's kind of a mixed question. But what essentially what we're uh, doing is I, I mentioned that we're developing um, our own framework. We're developing our own modules. So even when we're looking to get into machine learning, um, we're looking to develop our own like basic uh, basic modules. I would say of how we would apply machine learning into any of our startups. So the algorithm, uh, the specific like recipe would be owned by the company, but the infrastructure of how we actually get there, we're actually trying to streamline that so that every time that we develop a, a new a new product or a new company, we're not having to do it from scratch, but the actual like recipe and the IP is actually owned by the company gotcha. that we work so with. So tomorrow another company came and said, we want to do matchmaking for... I don't know, making knitting sweaters and sweater knitter teachers, um, you would be able to say, hey, we have this IP already for this this other company. We can just reuse portions of it for your company. Okay. And would you ever yeah, that's take exactly some it. of the stuff that you're seeing and design your own yeah. um, your own company out of it? So the companies uh, that yeah, you're seeing, yes, there's obviously a lot of ideas going around. Um, and if you're developing some work with them, you're also obviously getting a, a strong base of of tools that you could use, would you ever then go off and try to create your own business knowing what you know with, with all this and using all the tools you've already created? Um, yeah, like we, we would never uh, want to develop a competing company because our whole model is we're invested into these various startups, right? So if we were to build a product that was competing, we're essentially cannibalizing it. But what we can do is say uh, we built a matchmaking component, uh, like this basic uh, package uh, and we can we can definitely reuse it for another company, or we always have internal ideas. We're running internal hackathons with our own employees, where um, where we may have an idea or concept, and we want to bring it to life. So because we have these these modules and, and this framework, it really allows us to minimize the time and investment to develop a new idea, and we can build it and and see if it's got legs. So I think that's one of the things that's most exciting, and and, and for us. Uh, a huge advantage is that we can deploy and, and build products much more quickly than than other venture studios. Cool. Um, what I would love to know is, I guess, some advice that you would have for 
people who are trying to start second, third, or fourth businesses? What would you tell them? Um, I would say if they're trying to, if they've already started their first business and they're trying to start their second or third or um, company, I would say if if you have an idea, then uh, like what that next or like that second or third company should be, I would say you should. Uh, if you really, if you know what you're doing, you should really just kind of build and, and take your experiences and learn from that uh, from your previous from your previous. Uh, experiences I would say if you don't really know and you're trying to become like more of a serial entrepreneur I, I always recommend trying to dabble and, and advise and 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 be involved with as many as many companies as you can so for my from my own experience because I've been in different industries I've been able to take learnings from uh, one industry and apply it to another um, I'm an I'm a investor in a group of franchise businesses multi-location franchise businesses I've been able to learn and take from a franchise model and try to apply it into uh, one of the companies I'm working with that is in software and trying to systemize and scale that. So I would say if if uh, there's a lot of interest to build multiple companies, um, trying to take those learnings from different uh, industries and disciplines, I think is a really unique way and it gives okay. you a fresh perspective. In a lot of the questions that I asked you, you responded by saying that you taught yourself how to how to do something. So you taught yourself how to build a website. You taught yourself how to do digital marketing. I'm guessing that's a very important skill set to have. But how do you motivate yourself to learn these things? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the motivational aspect is is unique to each individual. Um, I think uh, an individual inherently needs to be curious and also just have like really strong work ethic. So I think without those two things, I don't think it's there's any type of secret recipe to self-teach yourself. But I think if you have an interest and this is something that you want to learn, the only way that you can do it is, is going head first. And whether you're, you know someone that has an idea or, or a business and trying to help with them or try to do some type of side project or side hustle, as long as you, uh, you can learn and try to apply it, I think that's the, the best way. And I think what's rewarding and motivational is or motivating is that you can actually see your progress. So if you're trying to do a side hustle, if you if you learn a certain tactic or you learn a certain program, um, when you're finished with that, you know that okay, I I learned X Y Z. So I think from that you're getting you're gaining uh, like incremental wins. So I think from that standpoint, cool, cool. that can be very motivating right. as well. I think that's a, a good point to sort of wrap this podcast up. Is there anything you want to say to to the audience or any questions you have? Um, I would say my, like my last, uh, advice and something that I've always lived by is this quote called give more, expect less. I think, uh, this is something that I always try to share with everyone, um, where like everything you put into it, it, you're not going to always get what you expect, but I think if you set the expectation properly, I think it allows you to move forward and not be too discouraged. And, uh, that's kind of like the four words I live by that I want to share. Yeah, no problem. Um, so yeah, if you have anything else that uh, you want me to like, uh, like uh, include, or if we need to do a follow up, I'd be happy cool. to to do uh, that to make so sure that this podcast is as good case. as it can be.